Welcome to the Dark Depths Podcast, your go-to place for the modern legacy formats. Uh, Billy is still out with the newborn baby, but joining me this week, I have a special guest. So, welcome to the call, David Inglis. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good. How's your week going? I saw you uh, just started university. Yeah, I've just started my master's in occupational therapy. It's very different from anything I've done. I'm a typical humanities uh I guess major you'd call it in America, a student. So going to like a more science based subject is quite challenging, but I'm very passionate about it and I feel I'm in the right place. So it's very exciting. Cool, cool. I was also in, uh, in school for therapy for a bit. Uh, I was in school for music therapy though, so fairly different, but minor connection there. So where might people know you from? So I've been playing Magic since Scars of Mirrodin with some medium success. I was on the World Magic Cup top four team in 2014. I've played a Pro Tour, Fate Reforged, uh, and I've won a handful of cash events and like fairly reasonable tournaments in the UK. And most of you will probably know me from Magic Online where I play as Dinglis. I started playing Modo around the pandemic. Then they printed Companion, and I hated the I hated all the formats of Companion without the rules change. So I took a break. But about this time last year, I came back, started playing some Legacy and Vintage, and got really lucky and just kept playing Magic Online from there. It's always funny to to me hearing people talk about like how much they didn't like the Companion formats. Because I had so much fun during that Legacy format. I don't know if I'm just a monster or what, but like, I don't know. I thought Loris Legacy was just like so interesting in playing with Loris and like Green Black Depths. And, you know, I, I liked it in Modern too. And like, I'm, I definitely think it needed to go at some point, but I was really sad that they got rid of them when they did. Yeah, I think because like I was a big fan of like Saltar Delirium and Pioneer. And that kind of deck can't really exist with every other deck starting up a card. So it's uh, it, it kind of stopped the kind of magic I liked. I think actually Companion is a good mechanic for the game. I, I wish there were more, and Lurus does promote some unhealthy deck design and choices. Because like the, you can't really play these sweet, exciting cards. But then they've moved the game away from like Planeswalkers, which is quite an exciting change for someone who's seen a lot of Planeswalker bloat. So, I, I think they're good for the game. I just didn't like how they affected the format I liked, which is a good reason to take a break. But I, I imagine Legacy with um, Lurus was really sweet. I wasn't playing as much Legacy then as I do, but I can imagine there being some cool, like, blue-white Lurus Snapcaster deck with, like, Entreat the Angels and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of people didn't like it, but like I said, I, I was pretty fond of it. The Miracles deck was actually really sweet, because um, it was playing it, and then, like, I don't know, I, I thought it led to interesting deck building, like, seeing Miracles drop Jace the Mind Sculptor, and, like, not having the option to play Monastery Mentor, like, that's actually a big cost, and I thought that was interesting, and seeing Miracles play a card like um, Mistress Bobble, which, you know, is not a very strong card, I just I liked things like that, and I even liked in um in modern getting to play with like this silly John deck with like Ren and Six and Elvish Reclaimer, and I don't know. I just I really liked it. 
Yeah, I think I think they are quite good for the game. Um, and I think they do promote like quite interesting deck building. I, I think like they would benefit from some more, but they're really difficult to design. It's such a hard mechanic to design for. Because if you get it wrong, it can be very punishing. I actually quite like a deck like Garuda existed. I think that's a really cool, unique thing about Magic. Like, it makes it such an appealing game. So, yeah, yeah, very much agree with everything you just said. I also like, you know, you said you want there to be more, but it's like so sad because I feel like the first time being around, go like going so poorly. I don't think they're going to bring it back. But I, I really do think it would be cool. And I also think it would be nice if they uh, kind of had different, like, I, I don't know what to call it, but, like, the cost to bring it into your hand. Like, I feel like that should be variable. And I think that would have fixed the mechanic a little bit. Like, if Loris had, like, let's say they called it, like, Companion 2, so it costs, like, 2 to put in your hand. And then, like, um, Lutri, for instance, had, like, Companion 0, so that card's, like, free to put in your hand. You know, like, I think that would be cool. Yeah, I, I guess the hesitancy there is it's a lot of um, it's a lot to work out, a lot of like tuning, and maybe not worth it in the end. But it would be cool. Like, I think Lutra is a really sweet. Like that card's awesome. Whenever I see someone play like the Lutra deck in Pioneer, like it's not the most competitive deck, but it's certainly reasonable. It's so cool to see, and I wish that kind of strategy could be supported. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. You mentioned Pioneer, so let's just jump into it. Uh, you know, we try to talk about Modern and Legacy on this cast, but I thought uh, we'd switch it up this week. So the reason that we're having David on is because he plays a lot of Pioneer. Um, Pioneer is the format for the Mana Trader series this month. Pioneer is uh, also going to be featured in multiple upcoming uh, Team SCG Con events. Um, I would say there is a PTQ for it, but I think that actually just passed, unfortunately. Or there's one on Friday this week. Oh, never mind. So this will be released right before the PTQ. It's just really just kind of the perfect time to talk about Pioneer and uh, give some of our listeners who might not play that format a little bit of education about it. So, David, if you could sum up what makes Pioneer great, what would you say? You get to play very powerful cards that you don't get to play in any other formats. It's a format where Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time Illegal, um, we'll talk about whether they're healthy later on in the podcast, but there's a lot of different decks. And I'll let you in on a big secret. Magic Grinders are really lazy, and there is so much room in Pioneer to build brand new decks and new strategies and find things that are well-positioned because there's not much incentive to test for it. Where Modern is like the most popular format, I'm sure by far on Magic Online, like the challenges are huge, uh, 150 players every weekend. Pioneer has like a lot of people just phone it in with good good decks, like Blue Red Phoenix is a very good deck. Um, but there's so much room to explore and innovate and you can make like really good metagame calls. Um, there's It's got a lot of like that pure magic to it. like. There's no Pioneer Masters 1 adding solitude to the format. It's just um, like very, like that pure magic, not any supplementary projects, no, no true name nemesis from Commander in it. It's all just very well contained. There are a few problems with the format. A big criticism is the mana isn't very good for some decks. If you like playing like Maverick, 
kind of decks which I love to play. It's very hard to play green-white because you don't have Razor Verge Thicket. But the format's like still very fun. The the people who criticise it, as most friends in Magic, tend not to play very much. Uh, much skin in the game, as to use an expression. And I really think that Pioneer is one of Magic's greatest formats. Like, Dom Harvey, a very strong player who does very well at Pioneer, says like people don't innovate, take the time, and there's plenty of room. There are some downsides. The mana can be bad. Some of the decks aren't the most fun to play against. Very few people will like sitting across poor of the pages and hidden strings. And but overall, I think the format has a lot of very good tools, and we'll keep getting better. Like with new sets, I would urge you to give it a try, even if you think you liked it more when there were more powerful decks like Inverter and Underworld Breach and Heliod. Because there's still lots of good gameplay, there's plenty of tournaments for it, it's one of the smallest challenges on Modo, and it's just a great format, like, the games are fun, there's innovation, like, this weekend Heroic did really well, no one's thinking about Heroic, that's really cool, and if you want to put the work in, like, for the la one of the last showcase formats, some team of, like, Zoomers and Tristan, I can't remember his last name, but he came up with this incredible Jeskai Sensei deck and all the cards have been there and there's just lots of room to explore so I think it's got good deck building powerful cards and just a lot going for it yeah it's actually really worth noting that like whenever I talk to people lately um who play a lot of formats Pioneer is like frequently one that they say is amongst their favorites so it's kind of crazy to me that like nobody plays it but you know, everybody you talk to who plays it seems so much higher on it than other people are on their respective formats. Like, I think that's actually a really good sign. I do think more people should pick it up. And, you know, it's not my favorite, but I definitely, like, I don't think it's bad. Like, I have had fun playing it. Yeah, I think it's got a lot going for it. I get people get very attached to their, their formats because uh, there's only so much time in the day we can't it's very hard to invest in a new format it's expensive but Pioneer does have that it's actually relatively cheap I think um, Doomwake posted a deck recently and it was like all pimped out mono red like big red and it was $200 which is very affordable compared to modern or legacy I think that it does have some problems but I think every magic format has problems and that's part of the game we love yeah i mean legacy players have been uh waiting for a ban announcement for like two months now so we can't uh legacy players in particular cannot criticize other formats for having problems and you know i feel like i keep hearing people complain about loris and modern and you know we let tron run rampant for years so yeah every format is allowed to have its its own problems and growing pains yeah like and people there's just kinds of magic people dislike I don't particularly like getting Goblin Guided, but I understand that that's perfectly legitimate. Um, yeah, like I, I really recommend giving Pioneer a go. I'm sure there is a deck that you would like and will hopefully spend some time talking through the big decks. I can recommend like what, a deck that uh, can compare to a modern or legacy deck, or sometimes they're unique. But yeah, I think we will provide a good overview of the format. I've played a lot of the decks in the format and Pioneer keeps coming back keeps me coming back for more. I really hope in the UK 
we give Pioneer more of a shot. We're very modern focused as a country. Um, it's just the big organ. We have one very big organizer in the UK, and they do very well running modern and legacy events. So that's where all the attention's been. And Pioneer obviously suffered a bit with COVID because no one got to play it for a very long time. But I would recommend giving it a go. Okay, so what would you say is the top deck in the format right now? Like, let's say I don't want to put any effort into learning the format. I just want to sit down, play the best thing, and, like, play as well as I can in this event. What should I pick up? I'm going to be very awkward and recommend two decks um, because I think they're very close in power level. But the most popular and the best deck is probably Is It Phoenix. So this deck is the typical Delverish kind of strategy. It's got the cheap threat and fin in the ice, all the cantrips in the world, good removal. It gets to play Treasure Cruise. Uh, it plays Expressive Iteration, which is like incredible. Um, it just plays like that very low to the ground, very low land count tempo game of I'm the aggressor, but I have the tools also to play like a controlling game. I've got very good sideboard cards in the in Phoenix. Like you've got Mystical Dispute, which is amazing. You also have like a bunch of ways to beat the hate people have. You've got like Brazen Borrowers. And like when you get to play with four copies of Opt, four copies of Consider, you're gonna see your cards so often. So Phoenix is probably the best deck. It's very powerful. It might be a little too good, but I think it is beatable. Um I think you really need to have like a solid plan versus Phoenix in the format. There are decks that definitely have that. There are some decks I think don't have good Phoenix matchups, but Phoenix is definitely the way to go. It's obviously very similar to modern Phoenix if you've played that. Um, and it's that kind of like aggro control, low land count, lots of cantrips, lots of little micro decisions. You see a lot of very strong modo players play it. It's a great deck, very skill intensive. I personally don't like it very much, but that's because I'm a rubbish Delver of Secrets player. Um, so that's a bit of my bias. I haven't given it as much chance as I should. But it's very powerful. It also has a new element with... Um, i trying to think. Temple Trespass and Galvanic Iteration, the um, fork from the first Innistrad set that allows it to like go over the top in a new way. It's a very... Very powerful, very consistent magic deck. It's a great place to start. It's not very expensive. And I think it definitely is the best deck. Yeah, I'm going to let you in on a secret. When uh, when Pioneer was announced, I was like, maybe Is It Phoenix will be a deck and I'll get to use these cards from my modern deck. And then, you know, sure enough, it was. And that's uh, it's basically uh, the only deck I've played in, in Pioneer since then. Like... I don't know, I think I've tried a couple other decks here and there, but, like, I don't have to play in Pioneer events very often. Uh, so when I do, this is just kind of, like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, who's got an updated list of Phoenix for me? And that's what I play. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to go wrong. Like, it's super solid. It's it's a great magic deck. Like, it's fundamentally just very well built. Yeah. Um, you, you really can't go wrong with Is It Phoenix at all. Plus... I don't talk about it that much, but, like, I, you know, I was a Blue-Red Delver player in Legacy for a couple of years. So, like, I really think this deck just kind of 
you know, fits a lot of the same tendencies, like you said. Like, the cantrips, uh, like, this deck is, I mean, it's literally just Delver. It's, like, cantrips, um, permission in the forms of removal spells, and then, like, a couple small, like, creatures that are, like, evasive and recursive. Like, I don't know, it's, it just feels like playing Legacy sometimes. It, and, like, I, I top-aided a Pioneer event, like, I don't know, a couple months ago playing Phoenix, and it just felt like other people were playing a different format than me. Yeah, that's um, that can happen in Pioneer. Like, there's a you can definitely have that. Like, you can play matchups where you're like, what on earth is my opponent doing? When we come to the next deck, which is my favorite deck in the format, we'll talk about killing people on turn four, and people who haven't seen the deck are like, that's ridiculous. It's uh, Pioneer's much closer to modern than it is to standard. I think Martin User really summed it up best. He said, if you put Glory Brunner into your Pioneer deck you've uh, made a mistake somewhere. It's a very powerful format. It's nothing like old standard formats. It's, like, powerful. It's obviously not as powerful as modern or legacy, but it definitely has, like, that kind of power just in some different ways. Like, you get to cast Treasure Cruise in this format, and that's uh, quite the magic card. Yeah, I don't really, like... I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to feel about Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time being legal. So... I think Cruz is getting pretty close to being a bit too good, but I actually think Dig's quite a good thing to exist. So I think the control decks in Pioneer are awful, and I love playing control. Like, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, has my number. But the control decks are horrible in Pioneer, in my opinion. We'll discuss why later. But Dig Through Time is like the reward for playing the bad, the bad cards. So I like that Dig Through Time is an incentive to play, like, the bad cards. I, I have obviously the argument that they'll ban Treasure Cruise and everything will play Dig. That isn't... Ne I don't really buy that argument. For example, like in Jeskai Sensei combo, Gigantha's really important to that deck. And in Phoenix, like, the difference between 1 and 2 is huge. Like, it's, I mean, it's literally double. Um... But I think Cruise is okay. Like, it's it's nice you get to play it in a format. It is a bit too good, maybe. But I'm not sure. I, I think it's fine. I mean, you you say the difference between 1 and 2 is big, but, like, people started playing Temporal Trespass, so, like, is the difference between 1 and 2 that big? Like, if they can pay 3 for that? Trespass is usually winning the game, though. Like, you're usually, like, doing it in a term of some Phoenixes, or you're, like, copying it, or... I, I can see what you mean. I think, like... The difference between, like, one and two to get two cards is probably quite different from one and three to take an extra turn in a deck like Phoenix. Well, that's fair. But yeah. Um, I can talk about Jeskai Sensei now. I can get on my soapbox. I mean, that is my other favorite deck in the format, so let's do it. <laughs> okay, so Jeskai Sensei is one of the most broken magic cards ever but it has a lot of problems those problems are you need to put rubbish green creatures in your deck to make mana and start turning the profit so this deck plays uh, Sylvan Awakening which is 2 and green turn all your lands into 2-2s two they gain indestructible haste and reach until end of turn so the game plan of this deck is you'll make a turn three Jeskai Ascendancy. You'll then cast Sylvan Awakening with four lands. You'll then cast any of those broken one mana spells. 
your lands your your lands are now two twos that have all untapped, and then you just keep casting spells until you attack your opponent for some horrific number. Because uh, you loot with ascendancy, and then you get more ascendances in play, which means you start making mana and more cards, and it's a very powerful deck that can very consistently kill on turn four. Um, all you need is ascendancy and an awakening and some spells, which does sound like a lot, but it's really not when you get to play opt, consider if you wanted, um, expressive iteration, treasure cruise. It's a very, very powerful combo deck, but one of the interesting things about Jeskai Sensei is people don't really even have the best list yet. Um, when the list came out, it ran Omnath because it was a four-color deck, and Omnath's obviously great. But now people have realized Omnath's very clunky. When I was testing for the PTQ, I was very keen on playing Jeskai Sensei, and I started to realize that, hey, Omnath doesn't really do anything in our deck. Like, it... It's a great card, but it's like putting, I don't know, Jace the Mind Sculptor, I can't think of a good example. Like Jace the Mind Sculptor in High Tide. Like, yeah, it's really powerful, but it's not doing what your deck wants. Ascendancy is an out-and-out combo deck. It doesn't have any interest in any plan B. Like, I have won games, and I've shared them on Twitter, where I've beat someone down with Gigantha, or just Sylvan Awakening with eight lands in play and tend my opponent, but... You don't want like these, like pivoty kind of value cards. You just want to kill your opponent. So ascendancy is still being developed. Um, Dominic Harvey won the last mode of PTQ with a very interesting version that played uh, Fayborough Elder, which is a one green white that taps for one mana for every color you control, which is very powerful ascendancy. It's like a Black Lotus, and he had like a much more streamlined approach which i think is good like i think the deck wants to be very all in on this plan of let's kill someone on turn four you have a good matchup versus phoenix because that a lot of decks don't have the tools to beat a turn four combo deck pioneer has a lot of problems one of the problems with pioneer is that like the counter spells aren't very good we'll come to that when we talk about control um so ascendancy is it's very powerful. It's the best Gigantha deck in the format. Like, you will get your Gigantha a lot when you're playing a 25 land deck with four Growth Spiral, four Sylvan Carrioted. So, Ascendancy is great if you like combo control, like Splinter Twin, that kind of deck. Um, it doesn't really pivot as well as Twin. I think cards like Monastery Mentor, Tireless Tracker are all quite weak in the deck because... You just aren't really built to support any kind of backup plan. But it's much more like the blue-red twin decks. If you enjoy... Or Underworld Breach, that kind of deck. Like, if you enjoy that kind of combo gameplay, I would recommend picking up Jessica Essence. And don't be afraid to try new things. Like, Harry13, another great grinder, has been trying, like, Nissa Steward of Elements. And I didn't think that card would ever see any play. And it's just very interesting. I think the deck has a lot to build on. Because it is four colours. Um, so yeah, I, I love Ascendancy because I love combo decks. I, I really like blue combo decks. The decks are very powerful. And if you don't know what to do and you want to play the PTQ this weekend, turning up with the Oops, You're Dead on turn four deck, pretty powerful. Like a totally valid strategy and one that does suffer the more people know about it, but it has a lot of good tools to beat hate.
So I wouldn't be afraid to play Ascendancy at all. I think it's a very good choice. Yeah. I love playing with the card Jeskai Ascendancy. Like, I played that card in Standard. I played that card in Modern. I've played that card in Legacy. Somehow I haven't actually played it in Pioneer yet, but, like, I like the thought of playing it. Um, my local store just started running Pioneer events, I believe, and they're not on a great day for me to show up, but, like, I, I might build Pioneer just in case I ever am free. And like I said, I have Blue Red Phoenix, but, like, this deck's more fun. Yeah, the deck's very, very fun, and it's, yeah, it's a total blast, and it's good. It's that wonderful combination of good and fun. So... Did you ever play with Jeskai Ascendancy um, in modern, like when Treasure Cruise and Dick Through Time were legal? I used to be a bit of a not play the best deck kind of player. So when the world was trying to Treasure Cruise people, I was trying to play Blue White Tron with Chalice of the Void and Meddling Mages and Porphyry Nodes. But I have played Ascendancy when they banned Cruise and I played with Fate Stitcher and Gataxian Probe. And it's very powerful. I, I love Ascendancy. I've also played it in Standard like you. I've got a couple of PTQ top 8s with Jeskai tokens and just... I remember playing someone in the winning in who was on like 41 life and I attacked with like two Ascendancies in play and like five creatures and they just said no blocks and they were just dead. Like, the card is phenomenally powerful in quite an interesting way. Yeah, Jeskai tokens was sick. Yeah, but so when um, when this deck like burst out on the modern scene, it was like really a headache to play. And I was going to ask, like, does the deck in Pioneer, is it as complicated and intricate as it is in modern, or at least as it was? No, you kill people very quickly. Like, because you have like four or five tutus, like you only need to cast three or four spells and they're just dead. You need to keep track of your mana and stuff like that, but it's not... As hard as like the I, I've played the versions with Birds of Paradise and um, that kind of setup. It's nowhere near as hard to keep track. It's not the friendliest deck in paper, but usually people know they're dead pretty quickly when you start like looting a bunch and resolving treasure cruisers. Like it, it's not particularly like click intensive, as it were. Like I'm a very slow Magic Online player, and I've only timed out once and i've played it a bunch in paper with no draws yeah. um i think it's perfectly fine yeah i guess doing it uh on magic online would make it easier i i, I never did it on online like i've only done it in paper and it was it was a headache like i i won a lot with yeah the cards, but i also like would go home with like a headache every week yeah but don't worry if you if people like really Difficult combo decks. There's another one we'll talk about later that's much more get your abacus out. I assume you're referring to Lotus Breach? Well, no breach anymore. Yeah, no breach, but I, I do like a Lotus Field. You want to talk about that deck? Yeah, we'll finish the combo decks. So, Lotus Field is your storm deck of the format, like pure storm, port, like, I guess, Ant doesn't exist anymore, it's just Tess. It's has quite a unique mechanic for mana. You try and get a Lotus Field into play. For those of you who don't know, it's a land that taps a free mana, but you need to sack two lands. Um, it has Hexproof. You copy it with Fespian Stage, which I'm sure anyone who listens to this podcast knows. Um, and then you resolve a bunch of tap and untap effects, like Hidden Strands, which untaps two permanents. 
Um, you then make a bunch of mana with pour over the pages, which is a free blue-blue sorcery that lets you draw three, discard one, and untap two lands. You make a bunch of mana, and then you just fail wishes or masterminds acquisition to go look for an approach from the second sun, uh, which you then cast, and then they die. The deck is, I think, very underrated in Pioneer. I think it's, it's not trying to interact like... Um, Ascendancy is. Ascendancy's got much more interaction built in. Like, it's a bit like Belcher. It's just a bit like, I'm going to do my plan of making some Lotus Fields. The deck is very, very difficult to play. I would not recommend picking it up blind. Um, you need to practice with it, because it's a, there's a lot of maths, a lot of... Like, the decisions are very hard, like what you should keep... Should I keep a hand that can't find a Lotus Field if I've got a lot of scries? It's a very, very difficult deck to play. Um, much harder than Ascendancy, I think. But if you are a fan of those Dark Ritual kind of strategies or Belcher, that's probably where you want to start because you have the skills. I often think Lotus Field is a great choice for a tournament. But personally, I haven't played it as much in big tournaments because... One of my weaknesses as a player is I'm quite scared of, oh, what happens if someone's got, like, some of the really good hate cards? Like, it, the deck doesn't beat hate cards as well as Ascendancy, I don't think, but it trades that in for raw power. It's so powerful as a deck, much like Storm. Um, it's a good deck. It's not got as much customization. I think it's pretty close to getting optimized now. There's a lot of people who play it every week on Magic Online, so there's a lot of good lists. Um, you get to win with some pretty cool, flashy ways. If you like winning with Omniscience, it's probably the deck for you. If you like drawing cards, if you like lots of... If you like Storm, I, I cannot recommend a different deck apart from Hidden Strands. It's uh, very powerful. Hard to interact with game one. It does, like... You need, like, good sideboard cards, like, Mystical Dispute is terrible, not terrible, but pretty poor versus it. Forkseize is quite poor because the deck has a lot of good top decks. There's so many times I've Forkseize them and then have top deck poor over the pages. And it's also a deck that abuses Dig Through Time, which is one of the best cards in the format. It's a good home for Dig Through Time. So, if you like Storm, Lotus Field or Hidden Strings, it's called on Goldfish, is definitely the way to go. Yeah, this deck is, like, really bizarre. <laughs> like, I don't think there's yes. another way to phrase it. Like, it's one of those decks where it just, like, it doesn't do anything early on. And, like, you know, it just looks like this pile of crap that somebody threw together. And then just, like, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, your opponent's taking, like, 20 minutes and you die. And it's like, what happened? Yeah, it's um, a deck that I often lose to because the kind of decks I like playing are bad versus it. Um, there's, it's so weird. My fiance plays Magic sometimes, and she, we went to an FNM a couple of weeks ago, and she was like, "Oh, um, this person just like drew their whole deck on turn four, and I was dead, and that wasn't very fun." Yeah, it's such a weird, unusual Magic deck, but it, I think it's cool. Like, I personally don't like it. 
because I lose to it a lot, but I think it's good that it exists. I think combo's actually good for the game. It can be frustrating to lose to because all combo decks, very few people have said they've had a good time getting Dark Ritual on turn one, I'm sure. Yeah, it is su- you're right, it's such a bizarre, unusual magic deck, like such a pile of weird... Who thought Hidden Strings when it came out would be like a big player in an Eternal format or pour over the pages? Like, it's a very cool and unique deck. So I actually remember Hidden Strings being in... Uh, being in standard and people like trying to do things with it. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad it found a home just because I, I know people like playing with that kind of effect. People like playing with Cypher. Um, but yeah, weird cards. If you were trying to attack this deck, how how best would you attack it? Because you said you think it's kind of weak to hate, but you also said all the decks you play are weak against it. So like, what is good against it? Uh, the card Dampening Sphere. Dampening Sphere is not very fun for Lotus Field. You need, like, like cards like Narset, Dampening Sphere are very good. Hard counters like Dovin's Veto. Um, the deck will just crush any mid-range deck. Like, your Vampire's deck with four Fortsies isn't doing it. Because the deck has so many good draws. Um, even the control decks can struggle because hidden uh, Lotus Field plays Niv-Mizzet after sideboard, like the uh, Perun. So, the deck has, like, you really need, like, powerful sideboard cards and, like, a plan. It's not the kind of deck you can beat by, like, upgrading slightly. You need, like, hammers. But the deck can also lose to itself, like, all, all Dark Ritual decks. Um, all that kind of style, like, it definitely... But, like, yeah, you need to have, like, real hate. Um, maybe not at the minute, because... Lotusfield and Ascendancy have been doing very well, so those decks will be less popular now. But if they're off the radar for a bit, definitely keep in mind that they can make a comeback because they definitely are there. Like Ascend- I think Ascendancy will always be a player now, but Lotusfield can always make a comeback. Like It always does well in the Mox qualifier weekends because everyone forgets about it. People play like... They, they maybe just like see there's in the tournament going and they'll just fire off a bullet because... They've got 40 QPs lying around, and they just play decks that get farmed by Lotus Field, I think. So just think about if it hasn't been very popular. Maybe I should have a couple of sideboard cards. Speaking of sideboard cards, the sideboard cards in this deck are so bizarre. Oh, they're great, aren't they? I mean, who doesn't love nine lives? Yeah, I mean, like, I get it. It's because they can tutor for them with um, uh, Fae of Wishes, but, like... I, I don't know, it just, like, it really, just looking at this deck feels like somebody just grabbed random cards out of their binder, and then it was like, oh, look, I won all my rounds. Yeah, it, it can definitely feel like that. Like, there's a lot of, like, I've seen all kinds of really weird and interesting sideboard cards um, in this deck, but I think, I think, like, it's pretty fixed in now. Like, you just want your sweepers and your, like, Nine Lives is really powerful. Um... Yeah, and Fort Distortion is uh, quite the blowout as a magic card, especially for the kind of decks I like. So, if anyone is interested in picking up this deck, I know uh, that David said it's kind of hard to learn, and you know they don't recommend picking it up in time for this weekend. But I will say, uh, Bryant Cook, who I'm sure listeners of this podcast know, um, he's recorded plenty of videos with it. So, like if you check out his YouTube, you'll get um, some great content there to help you. 
Um, and then also, I'm going to shout out uh, Connor Mullaley. I'm not trying to say his last name, but at Mullaley Connor. I, I can uh, include his at in the show notes. He offer, uh, also offers tutoring for this deck, and that guy wins, like, I mean, doesn't necessarily win, but top eights, like, every event he plays this deck in. So, great place to go to just, like, get some free help. Well, not free. Yeah, he's Decidedly really... not free. But... Yeah. <laughs> yes, not free. Um, and he is really excellent at Lotus Field. I actually have, like, quite a funny story about a challenge me and him played. Um, I played Niftalite, because I used to play a lot of Niftalite, and... That has an awful matchup versus Lotus Field because you just are slow, you just don't do anything. And me and him, we Magic Online crashed when I Notion Thiefed in response to a pour over the pages, um, which was pretty amusing. And he conceded even though he didn't have to. And I really recommend, we talked a lot about Lotus, and I really recommend his coaching. He's very, very good at that deck. Um, yeah, it's a really good deck. And I think very, very underrated. Um, yeah. So we've done combo and the best deck. Let's do some of like the more mid-range strategies for those people who like Jund, that kind of thing. So there are a couple of options. Um, there is Vampires, which is a deck I got recommended to play random, well, I thought randomly by my friend Sam Rolfe. Uh, or Phil Helmy from Modo, who's too busy winning everything. Um, and I loved the deck. It felt like the boomerist of boomerist deck, uh, boomer decks ever. Like, I was playing a one, a two-mana 1-1 one, one that draws a card. Vampires is, like, if you like Jund or Mono Black Control, that kind of grindy Fort Seas, Fatal Push kind of strategy, it's that kind of deck um it recently has incorporated white for better sideboard cards a big problem with vampires is it had quite weak sideboard cards so the deck is like very it's like kind of good creatures with a very powerful like a good nut drawer of Sorin imperious bloodlord who puts a vampire into play and you can put a champion of dusk which often lets you draw three or four cards and you've got this big 4-4. It's a deck that uses its mana really well. It's always got something to do with its lands. It's got Mutavolt. Um, hive of the Eye Tyrant. I said it right. I always say that. Eye of the Hive Tyrant. Um, which is from a different game. And you've got Voldar and Estate. And Castle Lockwain. So it's a deck that's always like... It's very solid. It, it does have that kind of Jund problem where you... You sometimes draw the wrong side of your deck and you just have no hope. It's it's not the best deck, I'll be honest. It, it, it's not. It does have some problems, like some of its cards are a bit underpowered because it is this very unusual tribal rock deck. Like, But it is a good home for Fort Season Fatal Push, and if you like the Jun lifestyle, if you like any deck Reed Duke's played, you definitely can do a lot worse. It's... It does struggle versus Phoenix and the combo decks, but if you're metagame or you're expecting a lot of like creature decks like Mono Red or um, Naya Winota or Angels or Spirits, this deck will crush it. So it's a bit of a difficult deck because it's 
It's just about it being well positioned. At the minute, I think it's pretty badly positioned because the format is a lot about um, Phoenix and Ascendancy and we all know that when other decks can cast Treasure Cruise, Fort Seas isn't the most appealing place to be. Um, but I think if you have a metagame where there's lots of mono-red and creature decks, maybe you're, maybe the paper metagame's a bit behind. I think it's solid. It's it, It's not like truly powerful, but it has good nut draws, solid mana, things to do with its mana, which is very important in Magic. Like, the biggest level up I got when I started playing with, like, better people was watching them, and they just spend their mana on anything. Not literally anything. They won't, like, Doomblade a 1-1, but decks that can spend their mana are so great. It's a big problem with control decks nowadays. Like, they struggle to spend their mana because they don't have Sphinx's Revelation. Like, they often lose out on mana because good opponents know when to tax their mana. But Vampires is like, it's a very unusual magic deck. Um, one of the charms of Pioneer, I think you get a lot of very unusual magic decks. Like, people don't think of The Rock being like a deck with 24 creatures. They think like Tarmogoyf, Bloodbraid Elf, Scavenger News, and then Fort Season spells. But Vampires is, it's solid. It's a bit metagame dependent. I think that it can be built differently. I'm not sure how because I haven't really thought about it, but it's a solid choice if you, maybe for the mana traders queues because most people who pick up new formats will tend to pick up like creature decks because people like creatures. Um, not a bad deck, but not maybe well positioned right now. What happened to the other mono black deck? Is that still around? Oh, the uh, Savannah mono black Savannah lines. Um, no, that, that deck's like, Pioneer's like developed a lot now, and like those kind of decks are just a bit underpowered. Like Niftalite doesn't really see much play anymore, because the format, people have just got, like the decks are better because people have worked on them. Like it wouldn't surprise me in six months time, like obviously new cards might come out, but Pioneer might look completely different. Um, like to me it's absurd to think that Niftalite, a deck I used to play every week, is like, you can't really play it because the decks are just more refined. Um, I'm sure Claudio will, who always wins with Niftalite, will be telling me I'm a fish, but there we are. Um, the other, like, there's, like, another deck that's a bit, if you like, kind of mid-rangey strategies, there's, like, a mono-red, like, a big red deck. Um, I think this deck is very underpowered, and it doesn't even beat the decks it's trying to beat. It plays like Eidolon of the Great Revel, um, Cemetery Gatekeeper, which I think is the new one. Um, and it's like this mono-red mid-range deck that I think's just a bit bad, unfortunately. Like, I've played... The deck has like 12... has Scab Clan Berserker off the board. And you think the 12... Eidolon deck would crush combo decks, but like Ascendancy doesn't really care. Like it can beat uh, Eidolon. I've won games with Eidolon in play. The deck just like is a pile of red removal spells, and it does play Chandra Torture Defiance, which is a very good card. But the payoff isn't there. I would stay well away from Mono Red, like the big red deck, like with Bone Crusher, Giant Goblin, Chain Whirler. I just don't think it's a very coherent strategy unfortunately it's funny to hear you say that uh and i i don't 
you know, I haven't played the format in over a month, so, like, I really have no thoughts about, like, if a deck is good or not. But I know that, um, you know, it came in first and second place in the challenge on um, on Saturday, and I think it also top-aided the other one, too. Maybe, I'd, I, maybe I've been a bit harsh on it. I just think that... I don't know, like, it seems so underpowered to me like it, it does beat up on creature decks like but like the, even the list like pretty strange to me like i don't get why you would play like i'm having a quick look at the top ends like we've got one zergo bell striker which seems rather unusual in like your deck that isn't all in on one drops um i do think it does like maybe this weekend it did well because people picked up creature decks to try and beat up on um, decks like Spirits that would prey on the popular decks from the last weekend, which is like the combo decks. So I can definitely see it being like good. It, it just doesn't really... I think it's quite underpowered, personally. It, it did win and come second. That's really good. But I'm not entirely sure it's the best choice. But if you like, if you like that kind of strategy... It certainly has results and might be just some bias on my side. I was going to say, I think, like, it can beat up on, like, some decks, but I think there are other decks that might be able to do that a bit better. Um, but, yeah, go, you go ahead. I'm sure I'm going to end up getting some games in with this just because uh, for one of the upcoming team events, um, my Pioneer seat is, like, a big mono-red guy. So hopefully it's not as bad as you're saying because I'm sure he would... Uh, he would be thrilled to be able to play this. I hope so too. Like I, I, I am quite biased towards a deck full of red creatures. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, but we can talk about a deck I'm also biased of, but in the other way. Um, so Jund Food. This is a like. Have you ever played Lantern Control, Michael? Not with regularity, I should say. I've played most things. Do you have an appreciation for that kind of magic? I have an appreciation for all kinds of magic. Okay, that's good. I mean, I love Lantern Control. I'm very sad that you can't play that anymore. Um, if you like prison kind of decks, Cauldron Familiar, Witch's Oven, Trailer Crumbs, that is your kind of magic. If you want to grind people out in absolutely horrific ways that are slow... Like you can, you can do that with Jund Food. The deck is, I really like it, and I think it beats everything apart from the best deck in the format, which is Phoenix, which sucks because as good Magic players, we need to beat the best deck because people play the best deck, and to win tournaments, you have to beat the best deck. But Jund Food crushes so much of the rest of the format. It's got like. It plays all the good spells in Fatal Push, Fort Seas. Um, it's got a very powerful engine, like Cat Oven. Sorry, Cat, Cat Cauldron Familiar and Witch's Oven. It's very powerful. Trailer Crumbs, very, very good grindy card advantage engine. Corvold is often... If you untap with Corvold and they don't kill it, you're probably winning the game. Because that card gets really big really fast in this deck. You've got Mayhem Devil to control the board. 
you like crush anyone trying to deal attack you with creatures. The deck, of unsurprisingly, for a black based deck, can struggle with stuff like treasure crews and the like. But and a big problem, a reason like a lot of the really good grinders put down John Food is because it doesn't have like that consistent plan versus Phoenix like. Go blank isn't quite good enough. Forces isn't quite good enough. Leyline is awkward. So, I think that a deck like I think John Food is really good. Unfortunately, it's a little weak versus Phoenix, but I would say it's another great deck for the Mana Traders queues um, because it beats up on a lot of people's like brews. It's very punishing. It outgrinds everything. Um, I had a game recently testing against a friend where she had Teferi, Hero of Dominaria on 5, and my board was a Trail of Crumbs, a Cat, three lands, and a Witch's Oven, and I won the game really easily, because you just make so much value. If you like, like, decks that make, have, like, engines and that kind of thing, I, um, I really recommend a deck like Junt Food. It's... A blast to play. It's very fun. It's grindy. Um, you can do a lot of deck building with it. Do you want to play Bolas' Citadel? Do you want to try and play Gigantha? It's a very rewarding deck to play well. And it's a very rewarding deck to play and get quicker with. The first time I played it in a PTQ, uh, I came ninth, And I nearly lost several rounds because I just timed out on Modo because I just wasn't quick enough. I think it's... A very rewarding deck to play. I think it will always be like tier 1.5 in Pioneer because its core strategy is so powerful. It is a bit unfortunate it's not as well positioned at the minute, but I think it's a powerful magic deck and one that you can do a lot of. There's a lot to think about and a lot to innovate. Um, Deadly Dispute from the D&D set is a perfect card. There's lots of like cool options you can play i got completely farmed in a recent challenge by cindervines which was incredible um yeah very rewarding powerful deck and if you like that kind of like prisony kind of making life really miserable for your opponent because when you've got cats and ovens in play none of their attacks do anything and you can just run them out of cards and yeah it's a it's a really Really solid magic deck. Definitely like one of the decks I'd recommend picking up if you like Pioneer. In paper, it's a bit annoying because I know Corvold is hard to find because it was a commander-only card. Actually, when in the UK it was PPTQ season, no no store had the commander decks, so it was very hard to get Corvolds um, at the time. But yeah, Junt Food is lots of fun. I really recommend it if you like grindy kind of lock you out magic it's funny you mentioned uh deadly dispute and said it's a perfect addition and i have to say i think that's the first time that the D set and perfect have been used in the same sentence because that deck is not good yeah that set like i've never played D, but i have a lot of friends who played D and magic and they felt very let down the set was just a bit too underpowered which is a shame because it could have been so much more i'm sure so yeah i i also really like this deck it reminds me a lot of the historic deck so that's um yeah that's cool like i I've, I've played with um 
a lot of Cauldron Familiar and Witches Oven. And, like, yeah, the grind potential there, like, you, you were talking about it, but, like, it's, like, very hard to really understand, I think, just how good those cards are at grinding people out until you play with them. Yeah, I um, picked up Saltai Food for a PPTQ because my friend was like, it's, it's it was the weekend that Tommy Ashton had um, promoted it at the Pro Tour, I believe. And my friend was like, right, we've got the cards, just play it, it's insane. And I was like, I don't really get how this 1-1 one, one for 1 that drains them for 1 is like going to grind out people. And then in round 1, I was like, oh, I get it now, it's not remotely fair, that's awesome. It's um, Yeah, it's very hard to imagine what the games play out like with this deck, because similar to, Lo to Lotus Field, where it's a bunch of weird-looking cards on paper, like it doesn't... Yeah, I definitely can see that. So, what would you say are the best ways to attack this deck? Because, like you said, you think it's pretty good against everything that's not Phoenix. Um, so, if you want to beat Jund, uh, you need to be doing, not really be doing stuff with creatures. You want cards like Yashan. Yashan is a two green white for a four four that gets a forest and a plains and it um, stops your opponent from sacrificing. Or, or both players from sacrificing their permanents. Um, you want decks that go over the top but you can't do that with creatures or you can't go under because Jund is the deck that rules all the creature decks. So decks like Hidden Strings or Phoenix or Jeskai Ascendancy, they're, they're the ways you want to beat decks like Jund. Um, you, you can't really do it with a traditional control deck because the control decks just don't have the power in Pioneer. Um, like Blue-White and Blue-Black really struggle to deal with Cauldron Familiar and Witches Oven. Um, get especially game one and game two like they can have rest in peace but Jund has plenty of options to be a rest in peace so you want to be going over the top in a way that wins the game not drawing a bunch of cards because the Jund deck can always keep up with anything you can do Jund can do better so you need to be going over the top in like this very big way like Phoenix does it because when Phoenix gets set up, it casts, it attacks you with three Phoenixes and then casts Time Walk with a copy, and that's going to just end the game. You can't go under Jund Food because what it plays, Cauldron Familiar, Fatal Push, Gilded Goose, and Mayhem Devil. So go over the top. Graveyard Hate is pretty good, but I would recommend try, definitely trying to go over the top in like a game-winning kind of way. Okay, so there's a couple. There's like two kinds of decks to talk about. There's Naya Winota, which um, is features everyone's favorite slot machine. This is a, a green-white-red deck that plays Mana Elves um, and Prosperous Innkeeper and Winota. And this deck just aims to ramp into Winota, attack with some idiots, and put a Grave Titan into play. Um, it is very explosive. I, in the PTQ, got knocked out when my opponent mulliganed to four and had a turn three Winota attacking me and found a Averbrook... Uh, no, sorry, found a, a Grave Titan. I was not very happy and wanted my money back. 
Um, the deck is, it's very powerful. It, I haven't played enough with it, I'll be honest, to discuss too deeply. But if you want a deck that can just win a tournament and you can just tell your friends, oh, I won the PTQ because I, I picked up Winota, it, it definitely is there on power level. Um, it does have some weaknesses that it is just a pile of creatures. The, the deck literally has 30 creatures and Eskir's Chari Seeker's Chariot for four more. It does have good sideboard cards, as is in Magic. Like The white sideboard cards are very powerful. It's a good, it's a it's a reasonable deck. I don't really have that much investment in it. I haven't played. I, I actually used, when I used to play Arena, I used to love playing Winota because it was a great deck for quickly laddering with. But I have not touched it in Pioneer. I am not the biggest fan of this kind of deck personally. Um, I think it does struggle if your opponent's playing like Jund or Vampires or Mono Red, which might become really popular. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not a fan of Winota. I think it's good, and if you're looking to just spike a tournament, or if you're in that really unenviable position of, oh, we've got a really good legacy player and a great modern player, but our pioneer player is a bit hasn't played, you could do worse than giving them Winota. It's very powerful. You just The big trick with that deck is mulliganing. You can't just keep hands full of mana elves. You need to keep like a, a chariot or something that does something. And like you'll find you'll win a lot more if you take mulligans with that kind of deck. But you just it's it's so easy to just to be tempted to keep like I don't know, some mana elves and a voice of resurgence. But this isn't a standard format, you're not gonna win very many games with that kind of strategy. So Winota's okay, it's not my cup of tea. Um but not a bad deck. It was a lot more popular. It kind of ebbs and flows. It's on the downtick. I do think it probably struggles with Phoenix's Fin in the Ice. But very, very respectable. I am not a fan of the card Wynota. It's just like, it's so miserable to play against whenever it works. Like, I feel like the card either does nothing and then it's like not fun because it's not doing anything. Or it's doing way too much and then it's not fun. Yeah, the, those kind of cards, um, I'm not really, um, about that. Like, I agree, I, I like cards that are like, it's, um, I'll use a another Boomer example. Like, I like Blade Splicer, not Geist of Saint Draft. I think Blade Splicer leads to more interesting, fun games than Geist of Saint Draft. Um, yeah, Winota can be pretty miserable. I do think it's neat... Um, but this deck in particular really utilizes a bunch of new cards. I mean, like, I know all of Pioneer is, like, fairly new cards, right? But, like, the cards in, like, there's so many cards in this deck that are from, like, the latest two Innistrad sets, and I actually think that's kind of neat. Yeah, I do, as, I, I do as well. I think it's, Pioneer, like, it really does have that kind of, like, cool cross-section of cards, which is awesome. Yeah, like, we know it's not for everyone, but some people like a deck that high rolls. There's nothing wrong with that. The last decks I'll talk about before we maybe talk a bit more generally, I guess, is the control decks. Anyone who knows me at all will know that I, I love a blue deck. I am tied to the Glacial Fortress. Um, 
I played Miracles in Legacy extensively when I used to play a lot of Legacy. I've played Gifts Rock. I've played Mystical Teachings in Modern, well past the point it was even acceptable. I am trying to swear off the control decks now, but unfortunately in Pioneer, I think it's very, very hard to play control because the decks are just a bit underpowered. There are two types of control decks in Pioneer. There is blue-white. Pros of blue-white are you get to play Teferi, which is the best control card ever. The best finisher, the best, like, just the best blue card ever. Well, not ever, but pretty good. The problem with blue-white is its removal is terrible. They printed a card called Fateful Absence, which destroys a creature or planeswalker, but they get a clue. And control decks aren't really in the market for giving away cards. So the removal in blue-white is very cumbersome. It's just a bit awkward. Like, it doesn't have, like, clean answers. They're all quite clunky and awkward. Like, good players won't play into sensor unless they want to. Um, Blue-Black has better removal in Fatal Push, Heartless Act, Power Word Kill, but doesn't have the good finisher. So it's kind of cool. Like, you've got this choice. Like, do you want to play the good finisher into Fairy, or do you want to play the good removal? The decks do often do well against Phoenix and Jeskai Ascendancy, but the price they pay is they struggle against like the other deck. So it's it's really tough. I think it's quite tough to be a blue mage in Pioneer. Yeah, it. I don't know. It's sad because I really really like control decks. I think they're really fun. If you were playing like a small tournament, I think they get better. Like in the last showcase, like the, the twenty four player playoff, the Mox Qualifier, they were a good choice because, I mean, like any control deck, it's better in a small field. When you're playing like a PTQ or a an SCG where people just kind of play, when people play the decks they have, like it, they lose a lot of value because your four Dovin's Veto deck wasn't ready for Winota or wasn't. So I think they suffer a little bit from being underpowered compared to the rest of the format. They're just a bit, like, clunky and awkward, and it's, unfortunately, I think, a rough time. There are people who do very well with control. I mean, Logan Nettles often top eights every week, and there are some, like, Harry 13, very, very good blue-black player, but even he's moved on to Ascendancy. So, I do think control's not the best choice, but if you do want to go down the control path, you need to pick whether you want the good removal or the good win conditions. I normally would want the good win conditions because Teferi is busted. But I understand the appeal of blue-black as well. So does the mana just not support So I think... I mean, this is the thing about Pioneer and people like not being lazy but not really working on it. I think the mana could support a blue-black splash Teferi or a kind of deck. I haven't put the work in because... It's it's very hard to find people who want to work on Pioneer um, because it isn't the most popular format. But I think you could definitely build a an Esper control deck. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's very easy to put some um, Zendikar flip plans for like your to get your Teferi access. It's just people haven't tried it yet. But I think you could definitely do that. It's something I've. I've definitely thought about when I haven't seen a, when I haven't got a deck I wanted. Yeah, I think you could definitely try that at some point. But yeah, I'm not, 
I'm not in love with Control and Pioneer currently because I think they're like, is it Phoenix can play that controlly kind of role a bit better in a lot of matchups, and yeah, it, it's so hard to play Control in the modern game of Magic because the threats are all really good. Like, there's not really a good counter spell for um, Pioneer. Like, Sensor is a bit dodgy. Playing four main deck Dovin's Vetoes, I think, is um, like pretty. Like, like not great in a lot of matchups. I, I don't know. I, I think the control decks need a bit of work. Um, um, so I guess like the, the takeaway, like the TLDR, the decks I like are Phoenix. If you just want the the best deck, definitely can kind of run with Phoenix. Ascendancy, if you like that splinter twin combo control kind of magic, and um, junk food, if you like that kind of grindy little pieces and cogs aristocrats kind of magic. But there are lots of other decks, and there is like, there's definitely room to innovate in Pioneer. Don't let what I say put you off a deck. I'm just quite an emotive person, I guess. So I, I have quite strong reactions to Finns, to my detriment i guess um so i i feel like there were you know a fair number of decks you didn't mention so we don't definitely don't have to go as deep into them but i just want to name a couple decks and then have yeah. you give a quick you know smasher pass essentially if you will like is this deck playable not playable uh, you can give like a sure, sentence that sounds really fun. It if you want like um so niv to light no it's just underpowered now. Um, it used to be great. It's time's gone. You just it's just too slow. Sadly, Man, I love this pyromancer. But yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. Oh, this deck's horrible. This this deck just has like oh, so many sentences. Um, there's two. There's two Rados decks. There's like the Lurus and non Lurus. Please, please, if you feel compelled to play Fortsies and red cards, please, like, just play Lurus. Just start the game with eight cards. Please don't trick yourself into Chandra and Graveyard Trespasser. It's just bad. Like, these strategies are just not good in Pioneer. I don't know why they got so bad. I guess because, like, Crocs into Treasure Cruise... One of those is a lot better than in the matchup. Uh, blue, white, and soul. Um, I don't think I've ever beaten that deck. Uh, it, I always think about it. It's definitely like a shower thoughts deck. I'm like, oh yeah, no one's tried to ginger brew me for a while. Uh, probably not good enough, but quite good in a combo heavy meta game. Stubborn Denial is quite a powerful card. Uh, Mono Green Devotion. Uh, bad. Like... It's slower than all the combo decks. Can never beat a Finn in the Ice. Yeah, that's sad. I like green cards. Absolutely not. Uh, spirits. Oh, um, uh, this is awkward. Um, I don't like bad spirits very much. I think the deck has to mulligan so much because you just can't keep a lot of the hands because there's a lot of free drops. Um, I think Bant should look at playing Gilded Goose again. Um, yeah, I, I, Spirits is tough because it does do well in like the the creature, the uh, combo meta game. But again, it just can't be Phoenix. It really struggles against Phoenix, so it's probably a pass. 
That um, could be good in the future. Two more. Burn. Oh, um... Let's burn good. I think... Burn is good. It used to be good versus Phoenix, before Phoenix had, like, its time warp kind of thing going on. It's a race versus Ascendancy, but it is very bad versus Jund. It is... Burn is probably okay. Like, if you like that kind of deck, you could sleeve it up. Not not amazing, though. Not not broken or super powerful. Okay, and the final deck. I really don't see people talk about it very often, but I just feel like every now and again I see somebody like, oh, I trophied with this. Oh, I top-aided the challenge with this. Everyone's sleeping on it. Uh, fires of Invention. I don't think it's very good, um, because... The payoff for Fires is Agent of Treachery, usually, and there just aren't good cards to be taken with Agent of Treachery. Like, against, like, Phoenix, like, taking a, a flip fin in the ice, like, yeah, okay, you're having to play a lot of, um, it's like Rhinos in Modern. I hate Rhinos, the Rhinos deck in Modern. I think it's the worst Magic deck. What? The Rhinos deck is sick. Do anything good. Uh, oh, no, the, oh, no, no. Rhinos is like... Oh, Rhinos is horrible. It's just bad living end. And just bad jump. Oh, I, I hate Rhinos. Rhinos is so good. Um, <laughs> and... No, you have to play these... You have to, like... Play all these horrible cards in your deck. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of Rhinos, and I think that the um, Fires deck has to do that. I'm playing a lot of uh, bad cards to support my weird trick. So I, I'll explain this a bit better, because one of my best friends loves Rhinos. And so I'll use a cool analogy. Rhinos is like doing a really average magic trick with lots of like setup and like methodology and it's like a big setup but like the payoff isn't worth it whereas like and I think that the fires deck suffers the kind of the same problem like you have to set you have to like you can't play any other creatures you have to play 80 cards you have to play like playing Bone Crusher Giant in Modern and Birth of Miletus in Pioneer are not like the reward, they're a punishment. In in my mind at least. So yeah, I'm pretty anti fires. I think it's a lot of bad cards. And like I'm not gonna preach play the good cards because everyone's heard that. Um but I think you have to play a lot of bad cards for like not a um like not there's not enough payoff to play all the bad cards kind of thing. I said that a very long way around. I'm not I'm not a fan of fires, I used more than my two sentences there. Okay. There we are. So I think that does it for Pioneer, and we've probably talked for long enough, but before we wrap up, uh I just want to talk about modern for a quick minute. Like I didn't get the chance to talk about it any last week and you know, I know you also play a good amount of modern. Um so I have to ask, you're putting down your trusty blue white control cards and picking up Belcher. What's that all about? Oh, well that, that's that's not entirely true. I'm also picking up Blink uh, the Blink deck. Um 
I really have enjoyed playing Blue White. I've won an awful lot with it. But part of being good at magic is learning new kinds of decks and realizing like like the golden rule in magic is like don't play a bad something else. And Blue White is kind of just a bad blink deck. With Belcher, the deck is relatively cheap to buy in paper. Um I had some of the cards and I just wanted to try something new uh, like modern this probably won't be very popular on your podcast but i'll say it i think modern is becoming more and more like legacy was when i started playing magic in 2010 2011 now i think that'll be a good take i mean like we we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago and he um it was eric virgo and he said i think basically the exact same thing and that's a great thing like but right now like i'm like using all of my store credit and like spare income to buy the modern cards now so I can play a lot of the decks. Like I, I love Legacy. Like I, I won't talk about where I think Ragavan's good or bad or days, um, that kind of thing. But like, I think Legacy is such a cool thing in Magic. Um, but the problem is like, it, it's not as, there's just not big tournaments for it where I live anymore. And Modern is like, Modern's, is expensive but like i want to like i think like now's the time to try and get into modern like i don't do finance or anything but like modern horizons 2 will stop being in the shops and the cards are getting more and more expensive so i'm just picking up like to have access to the decks i, I think modern's super fun right now i have complained about modern for years and years and hated that it was like the number one competitive format because I'm a child and it's like, oh well, I wasn't ready for I wasn't ready for boggles at this tournament and I lost my PTQ because that person bought boggles. But like one good thing I want to quickly say about Modern Horizons 2 is like while Solitude, Endurance, Fury, Grief are very powerful threats. They're actually kind of good for the game because they're good answer, they're good interaction. We can like obviously like ephemerating is a bit probably too good. But like Prismatic Ending I think is the best card designed for magic in the last like five years. Because it's um it's a good defensive card. And I think modern is awesome right now. Like I'm excited to go to two modern FMs this week. Um, the format has variety, it has power, all the power is distributed, like, I think you can play so many great different decks, um, yeah, Modern's awesome, like, I'm, I like Modern how it is now a lot more than I did before MH2. Yeah, Modern, Modern actually is really, really good, like, I, I do know a lot of people complain that Modern Horizons 2 is too all over the place and it's all people are doing, but, like, I don't know. I, I I kind of agree with you. A lot of those cards are just like interesting cards to play with. And like, you know, when my opponents resolve like Fury, for instance, like sometimes it is a huge blowout and it feels really bad, but like it's almost exciting at the same time. Like it doesn't necessarily end the game. It just has a big impact, but like the game keeps going. And like, I, I don't know, there's like a lot of dynamic back and forth and like, I think that gets lost sometimes because people are playing things like Hammer and they're like, ah, I kill you on turn two. And people are like, ah, same old modern, just as fast, but with these new cards. But like, 
I don't know, like, they really slowed down the format and I think made it very interesting. Like, we have a bit of a... I, I have, like, um, a quite nice com- community where I live in Nottingham in the UK, and we joke a lot about, like, how there's so many different decks now, and it's great. Like, it's exciting. Like, yeah, I, I think... I think Hammer is a very good magic deck. I don't think it's unbeatable, though. Um, I think if you really want to beat Hammer, that's you, you can. But the the format doesn't have, like... And, and the people that are complaining that they lost to Hammer on turn two, well, it's like, did you put any interaction in your deck? Or, like, are you just playing Dredge from 2012... Or, sorry, 2017, and it's like, yeah, okay. That sucks. That's a bad play experience for you. But, like... There are options to beat all these decks. Like, I, f- I think the format's great. Like, I think it's super rewarding. The cards are good. The cards, they feel exciting to play. Like, I, I my, my fiance often like remarks like how different when she met me four years ago. I used to dread playing modern. Like when it was modern PPTQ season, it's like oh, I, I guess I'll play blue, white, red. But I know it's a bit bad. But like. Yeah, I think Modern's really good right now. Um, I think Ragavan's actually a quite good Modern card, for example. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Like, last week it hit my Teferi Time Raveler and I lost the game. Okay, that sucks, but I could have maybe done something differently. Like, I don't think it... I think Modern's really good. Like, I don't understand why people dislike Modern. I think it's a bit like... like I'm going to soapbox a bit, if that's okay. Um... So, a lot of people who don't like Legacy anymore, I think, and who, like, want to hark back to, like, 2010 Legacy, don't realise that we just live in a very different time now, where, like, people know so much more. When I played Legacy in 2010, my deck had Rock Swarm Monk in it, and that was alright. That wasn't, like, a laughable magic card, because not everyone knew that Dredge or Storm or was completely broken. I think it's very dangerous to, like, look to, like, back in the past, like, and want things to... Because the context is huge. Like, magic moves so much quicker now. And that, I think that's a good thing. Like, deck building still gets rewarded, but it's in a very different way to to back in the day. And I think, like, being like, oh, my format isn't what I remember is just probably going to cause you a lot of upset and unhappiness. And you have to, like, choose, okay, do I keep trying to play and in legacy like there were problems like ragavan days is not fun to play against i get it it's a really unfunny joke um but i think like and i would like wizards to have a position because that would i i, I like it when people are and companies are honest and straightforward um but i think like magic's actually i think the formats are all pretty good right now like Standard isn't really a format anymore, but I think that's probably a bit of COVID, a bit of lack of organized play. Um, yeah, I think Magic's awesome right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to end. Um, but before we do our official wrap-up, Twitter plugs, all that, um, something we like to do, although I think we've missed it the past couple of weeks, is we like to end with a story. Um, doesn't have to be magic related, but you know, oftentimes is. So do you have any fun stories to share with us? Just anything. Are you a fan of Amulet Titan? What a silly question. (laughs) So 
I will tell the story of my very first Pro Tour when I didn't play Amulet Titan. It was just after I'd finished in the top four of Worlds, so 2014, 2015, and I realised, well, I can't really play Cryptic Command at the Pro Tour because Cryptic Command's pretty bad. Um, so I was like, okay, what should I do? And I spoke to a lot of people and I had a lot of help from very good Magic players, and they were like, your options are you could play something incredibly powerful but a bit inconsistent or you could play something that's like got play skill and i was like well i remember losing to amulet titan in a ptq once i wonder if i could play that so i did um and i played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games like literally hundreds of amulet titan when it had summer bloom then when i got to the pro tour I was like, the night before, I'd never really played like an individual big tournament. I kind of was like, uh, everyone's just going to have like Blood Moon and my deck's not going to do anything or I'm going to mulligan to five because my deck isn't that consistent. So I got like the fear and uh, I registered um, Abzan midrange with like Fortsies, Siege Rhino in a format where you could play Deceiver Exarch, Splinter Twin, Summer Bloom. Uh, in fact, with Cataxian Probe. Um, I then, in round six, was sat next to Paul Chion. And he looked at me, and we were chatting, because he recognised me. And he was like, oh, I guess your Pro Tour didn't go so well either. And I went, no, I made a really bad choice. And he was also playing Absent, so we laughed about this. So after the Pro Tour, I bought myself a... F from the Commander decks, like the... Commander's Arsenal, I think it's called. The biggest Azusa ever. Like, and I have it framed next to my bed to realise, don't not play the good deck. Another quick highlight of that Pro Tour is I played one Sigarda's... Um, uh, what's the one from Innistrad that gives you Hexproof and means you can't sacrifice wins? Is it Host of Herons? Yeah, I think so. So, I bought one and was like, I'll play this in my sideboard, it'll be pretty good in like, the Abzan Mirror. And um, Sigarda says you can't sacrifice things as, um, as part of your opponent's abilities. In round five, my opponent cast Death Cloud and uh, was quite unhappy with the results as uh, I took four life and they put everything they had in the bin. Oh no! Yeah, that was uh, pretty horrific. But yeah, like, that's my, like, I guess, like a lesson about like, not playing the best deck. Amulet was completely broken for that Pro Tour, and every player that played it cashed the Pro Tour. So, I, I learned a lesson, I guess. It's funny you talked about uh, not playing it, uh, Primeval Titan, of all things, because, um, so af after we're done recording, I'm going to eat and actually go to my uh, weekly Modern event, and my friend, I've been harassing him to play Primeval Titan for, for ages, um, and so finally he's letting me hand him Titan today, and I'm so excited. I think I'm actually considering not even playing myself and just burning his games. I am. Um, it's funny, actually. My friend who got back into Magic over lockdown, I lent him Amulet Titan, although my version is uh, all non-English, which uh, led to some slow games. But yeah, it was really fun to be on the podcast. I really, really enjoyed it.
yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, is there anything you would like to plug? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm at I'm Dinglis at Unhinged Basic. Um, I do a lot of writing for Tac Team, which is a group of much better than me Modo grinders. Um, we produce like written content. We have a very active Discord. Um, our patrons pretty good. I talk a lot about like thinking about the game. I'm a big advocate of positive mental health in Magic. I'm very open about that part of my life and myself. Um, yeah, that's really it. Like, and I sometimes do some occasional like blog posts. Um, I, as Michael knows, as he's known me for quite a while, I talk a lot about like issues about like depression and magic and self-worth and that, and that kind of thing. And I'm very big on promoting a healthy play space and environment. Mental health is very important. Uh, I mean, in general and in magic. Uh, so yeah, that's where you can find them. And uh, I'm sure listeners already know this, but you can find me at Expedition Map on Twitter, at Expedition Map on Twitch, where I've been heavily debating starting up streaming again. Um, there's a bunch of events this weekend, and I actually have a five-day weekend. So I, I will probably stream at least one day. At least one day. We'll, we'll see about more. Um, and you can also find Billy at Bad Luck Bandit and yell at him for, you know, choosing his new baby girl over us, which is really just really rude and unprofessional. Um, and with that, uh, listeners, I will uh, talk to you guys next week. Thank you.